Hello everyone, I'm Mark, the chief writer here at Maltopia, and I just wanted to remind you the sleep-wake cycle is but one of a series of interconnected horror podcasts within the wide and weird world of Maltopia. For Easter eggs, crossover events, and additional lore, please check out our other series, The Shepherd of Wolves, Red Mother, Grimland, and The Damnation Machine. And be sure to check out our free content on our Patreon page for additional lore and stories. For even more Maltopia content, consider becoming a patron. Starting for as little as $2 a month, benefits range from additional art, update videos, early episode access, our mini-podcast series, October's Children, both written and full audio pieces, such as The Lost Library, Tales of Maltopia, and The Weird Book. You can also gain access to our found footage show, The Weird Tape Series, and even our Patreon-exclusive, fully-produced audio series, Devil's Clay. So, with all that said, I will leave you to the darkness. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Rusty Quill Presents
Tell y'all that did it. <laughs> sure did. Fellas gotta have a gimmick to get along nowadays. Ain't that right, Agent Pale Revolvers? All right, enough of that. Agent Stroud, do you think you can do it? Yeah, yeah, should be. All I gotta do is. Ah, shit. What is it? What's wrong? The revolvers. If I make a run up top, and I have to use them, well, they'll go through whatever I'm shooting at, the boat, and anything else that gets between them and Timbuktu. The bullet's momentum aren't slowed like traditional ammo. Kind of their thing. I could end up damaging the boat. Engines, electrical, whatever. I can run shotgun. I can... No, we, we need you watching the cellar, King. <sighs> I can do it. Nah, you just don't worry about nothing there, uh, Isaiah. I'll get you up top in one piece. You got my word on it, you do. You're all the way up in navigation. How the hell are you gonna be of any help to me? I got my ways. <laughs> oh yeah. I got my ways. That must be one tricky eye you got there, cowboy. Oh, y'all don't know the half of it. If you come back up here, you can head up through the boat via the galley access. I don't think the creatures have gotten that far yet. But I'd hurry. On my way up. Keep that eye of yours peeled, cowboy. Always do. <laughs> Always do.
Mesmer was right about the back hallways, as they were clear enough. And as far as whatever I might meet up with down there, I was hoping a solid wallop from my power and a few well-placed non-standard rounds from the machine pistol I swiped would give me the edge I needed. Because, at the uh, end of the day, whatever kind of eye the cowboy had or didn't have, I wasn't the trusting type. I just made it up about two decks when I heard the pitter-patter of wet feet on the deck above me. I pressed my power out all around me, just far enough to give me a quick heads-up should something be sly enough to get close to me. As usual, there was um, no telling if these monsters could detect my detecting them, so to speak. You got a few of them coming down the stairs there at the end of the hall. Try to let them pass by without being seen. I don't want to let them know I can uh, take them out until I have to. Don't want to give them a reason to step things up. Roger that. Here they come. I pulled my power back and squeezed into a nook between a bunch of water pipes and waited. The lights blinked and dimmed to nearly nothing as the thing stumbled into partial view. They leaked blood and seawater and stunk like fish and rotting flesh. From what I could actually see, they were um, dressed in soaking rags but the flesh beneath them seemed to crawl and quiver, shifting the sopping fabric in ways and directions normal human flesh shouldn't. And while the lighting wasn't great, I was pretty sure I could make out the live darting forms of pilot fish, the kind that flutter around the inside the mouths of sharks, picking around for bits of food. The little things seemed to be worrying about the sloshing creature's heads, that is, till one of them came squirming through the air at me. It stopped just inches from my face. It was a tiny, rotting fish that squirted about like a hummingbird. Big, buggy black eyes, mouth filled with little spikes. A real charmer. But most importantly, it ratted me out. As soon as the little fucker saw me, it let out a weird clicking sound that immediately drew the attention of the things in the hallway. After that, I got quite an eyeful of the larger things. Squeezing its bulk between the piping as if it were made of rubber, one of the monsters stuck out its rotted, puckered hands the fingertips twitching like agitated worms. Its head seemed human, but uh, deflated from internal decay. It just rolled back and forth atop slimy, uneven shoulders, eyes little more than liquid rot. Its hands finally shot out at me, stretching twice the length of a man's, and then the head bulged, its mouth stretching open, and a creature like a eyeless shark pushed out from the human-like mouth, snapping its jaws like a steel trap. Yeah. Yeah. 
When the head snapped backwards, I knew it had eaten a bullet. But there were no marks on its face. The corpse of the thing slumped to the floor and I got a glimpse of the next waterlogged monstrosity the moment it got plugged. This time I saw the round hit, but instead of blood splattering from an exit wound, a weightless, liquescent substance leaked from the thing's unblemished flesh. Ectoplasm? The shot also came from above, like it passed right through the bulkhead, without so much as a sound or spark. Whatever Shane's gun fired, it sure as hell wasn't normal bullets, but uh, <laughs> who was I to talk? Both of them are down, but more are on the way, so uh, I'd get a move on if I were you. Already way ahead of you, making my way up to the next deck as we speak. Take the east corridor at the end of the hall. They're coming through the north one. Roger that. Thanks. Moving up through the floors, my tics and obsessions were right there behind me. I was forced to resist the need to whistle, and my hands lingered across the steel of every door I passed, having to stay there at least five seconds before I could move on. My uh, Tourette's and OCD were always at each other's throats. My obsessions pressuring me to perform ridiculous rituals to keep me and everyone I cared about alive, all while my uh, Tourette's tried to get me to do any and everything to trip myself up. Thankfully, the meds were making things manageable, and I was able to muscle through most of the stuff, allowing me to focus on the task at hand, blowing holes into a giant coffin so as to keep its occupant from pulling our boat to the bottom of the sea. <laughs> the shit I get up to. I'm just outside the hall that leads out onto the starboard deck. What's it looking like out there? I took out everything between you and the door outside, so you're clear that way. I also plugged a few over by the bow, getting them to move away from you. You got eyes on this thing? What the hell am I dealing with? quite see it in that kind of detail. Not quite how my, uh, <laughs> trick works. But I can tell you that it's big and currently on the opposite side of the boat. So you got yourself a little bit of a window to do what needs doing. But you best be about it before it heads back your way. Good thing this is just another Wednesday to the great and terrible insomniac. <laughs> Roger that. Head it out. Oh, and go fuck yourself. I was off and running, throwing open the metal door and drawing a bead on the big floating coffin. I could barely stay upright, the wind was so goddamn strong, but my target was hard to miss. I just planted myself against the storm and pulled the triggers, as fast and as often as I could. 
It didn't take but a few seconds for whatever had a hold of the ship to notice me ventilating its favorite box. I could sense it coming, the colossal thing pushing aside the huge waves slamming against the ship. And beneath it all, I heard crowds of the things I'd encountered below decks as they surrounded me. All I could do was blaze my power, fix my gaze on the great big box, and fire like hell. All I wanted was to tear up to the top decks and join my brother. And I was just about to do that very thing when I heard a voice from behind me. You shouldn't worry so much. He's going to be just fine. Things are already in full swing. His number can't come up all that easily, you see. That goes for you, too. Following the voice around the corner, I found the Cellar King. He was about average height and build, but his face was covered by shadows. He was sitting cross-legged inside a cage that looked like a miniature basement. Cracked cement floor, heat and water pipes twisting all over, plank wood ceiling. And dangling just out of reach from a dirty string, a naked light bulb. How does killing people in a cellar make you into some kind of profit? Pearls before swine, I guess. You just don't see the whole picture yet. Though, I would think someone of your... nature wouldn't look at things so literally. Tell me, do you read dreams as matter-of-factly as you assess men in cages? Well, I guess you have some redeeming qualities, or I wouldn't be down here guarding you. And what did you mean before? That Isaiah was going to be okay because things are in full swing. Only that, while nothing is completely predetermined, there are tendencies towards particular results, spurred on by certain cosmic undercurrents. And when the universe has made up its mind to see something done, it tends to take a lot to dissuade it. And you can read the universe's mind, then? Not precisely. Or at least, not completely. Wait a minute. Cellar King? Cosmic undercurrents. And you can't read the entirety of the universe's mind. <laughs> okay, I get it now. You're talking about the subconscious. The cellar of the mind. I knew you'd understand. It just took a little time. And prodding. And you're sure my brother's going to be okay? What moves below moves the world, holds it together. You and Isaiah are needed elsewhere, and that place isn't at the bottom of the sea. I read dreams for a living, sought out the power of the intangible, invisible truths beneath waking. I knew he was right. Do you know what that thing out there is? It's an old hate from down below. But not from the great below, mind you. An altogether different host of things dwell there. 
I must say, though, I am glad you came along. Myself and the, um, deep sleeper, I think you called him, were having such pleasant chats. But then, sadly, he was murdered. Poor fellow. You two talked? About what? All sorts of things. You see, we were sort of on the same wavelength, he and I. <laughs> I bet you were. Well, then, you must have heard us talking just before he was killed. Oh, yes, I did. But you needn't worry. I have no intention of telling anyone you know more than you've chosen to share. It was rude enough that I eavesdropped it all. Hmm. So you think you're going to blackmail me into something, is that it? And what could I possibly want from you? Like myself, you live in your subconscious, after all. Unlike so many others, we swim in the uncovered truth of ourselves. <laughs> That's your game, isn't it? Your specific exopathy. You drag people into the cellar, their subconscious, and then kill them. That's a gross oversimplification, and you know it. I don't kill them. I don't kill anyone, you idiot. I complete them. I live in the cellar of their minds, where the bodies are buried. I show them to their secret, filthy truths. What holds them down anchors them to the dirt. I free them, you stupid girl. I free them into the air. If my time as a dream catcher has taught me anything, it was that baiting semi-conscious people with half-truths usually gets you at least three-quarters of the truth in return. It was nice to see that the trick still worked, even on exopaths. But there was still something left, something he was holding back. That last quarter of the truth, and I could tell it was a doozy. Well, consider my rudeness as repayment for your own. You did admit to eavesdropping now, didn't you? Oh, I see. You think you can manipulate me, don't you? You think that because I'm passionate about my work that I can be reduced, disarmed. You think incorrectly. I'm not trying to manipulate you, but I am trying to figure you out, what your angle is. If you're as insightful as you claim to be, then you'd know that's what I do. That's my truth. You could never figure me out. I'm not an objective quantity to be analyzed by you or anyone else. I am Quicksilver. I am the truth at the heart of trauma. I am the unseen current of the sea. And I am the wave function that becomes the world when no one's looking. You'd sooner count to infinity than understand me. I wasn't sure how his ability, his super psychosis, worked. But it was likely he had a window into all of this. The dim, the possibility of a new darkness. What happened to Yuri? And now I had him all to myself. Well, you may be a pretty complex guy. But I don't know about being Quicksilver. They did catch you, after all. No one caught me, silly woman. I can't be truly isolated. What you're speaking to is merely an aspect of myself. The small portion that's currently under the microscope. Just one slip-up, and I'll vanish. Uh, it might not be as easy as you think. 
You seem to know well enough what I can do, so I'm supposing you know what my brother does, too. It won't be as easy as just taking a nap. You might prolong my visit. That's true. But how long do you really think the world will let you stay in one place to assure my current location? Already this little mission, this fool's errand, has encountered resistance. Even as we speak, your brother battles but the first drop of a mounting wave of adversity. No, you will be called away soon enough. The world will have its way with you, as it does with us all. He was right again. There was no certainty about any of this. But maybe, at least, I could grill him for some information. Use the time I had with him as productively as I could. I wanted to ask about Asaya, but there was no telling if he'd blabbed to anyone that I was aware of the fallen Mithra. So I decided to stay within the bounds of what I officially knew. I assume you know why you're here and where we're going. Naturally. The fools think they can stop what's coming, and they mean for me to help them in that endeavor. Can you? I'm not sure that I would, even if I could. I read your file. It says you were a psychologist before the Great Darkness. You must have had some sympathy for your patients, to spare them the pain of their disorders. You know as well as anyone, probably much, much better in fact, the hell that happened to everyone after the First Darkness. Wouldn't you want to spare us all a second? Perhaps. Perhaps if I thought the Great Darkness was the horror everyone generally believes it to have been. But even you must suspect that it was more than a mere event. Something to be graded in terms as simple as good and bad. Oh, I'm not doubting its complexity. Only that the pain and suffering more than offset anything good that might have come from it. Can we at least agree on that much? Pain and suffering are often enough the metrics of progress. The agony that birth demands to pass from darkness into light. Which, in the case of the Great Darkness, means that we've traveled quite far by way of wisdom. Farther even than all the preceding plagues and wars brought us. What wonders might we stumble across after a second darkness? Surely a dreamer of your magnitude must ponder such things? Maybe some wisdom isn't worth the cost. Surely a psychologist of your magnitude must ponder the price of knowing too much. I mean, you don't need to look any farther than the White Wigs to see that. This is not wisdom from without, but from within. The darkness is the cellar of our collective mind. Don't you see that? It must be resolved, unified, confronted. <laughs> we can never free ourselves of this filthy earth, lift into the clean, fresh air, until we've finally looked into the darkness within us and survive what looks back. The Sleep-Wake Cycle is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Mark Anzalone and performed by Kelly Bear and Mark Anzalone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld, and sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone. Be sure to check us out at www.maltopia.com 
and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. If you want unique art and animations of Maltopia's stories, visit our YouTube page or click on the link in the show notes. If you're a fan and want to help the show grow, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And for more exclusive content, such as additional lore, stories, and art, be sure to check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Maltopia.